We'll have some other announcements at the end of the service this morning, but right now I'd like you to turn with me to take a look at a few things from the scriptures. And I want to talk with you briefly about the birth of Jesus. I know that's, but it's not going to be what you may guess it to be this morning at all. As many of you would know, as a church here, we do not celebrate Christmas as a special holiday here in the church because we have no biblical direction to do that. If we had instruction from the New Testament to how to keep this holiday, this day as a holiday, I can hopefully, I believe we would be doing that very thing. And I'll talk about that a little bit later on. But we do not keep it as a religious day. Many members here have Christmas trees and they exchange gifts and they, they do those things on their own. And that's not a problem either because we can keep different days, different people can. But as far as the church, we have no instruction about what to do. So we don't have a Christmas program or anything like that. And, and I want to talk about maybe why that is. There are so many... There's so many misunderstandings about this day and so forth that have come up. And most of it is because of human tradition, things that human beings have thought of, which may be coming from, and it's coming from a well-intentioned place. This is not about people's intentions, because I, I certainly believe that people who uh, do religious things around this time of the year are not doing it for a bad motive. At all. I don't think that at all. I, I just think that they often do not know what the scriptures say about it. We had a, a call this morning talking about, you know, asking about, on the radio show, asking about the three wise men. Well, that, I kind of felt bad because right away I had to say, well, we don't know if there were three wise men. We know there were wise men that came, and we know, someone said, well, they brought three different, three different gifts. No, we know they brought three different kinds of gifts. They brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We don't know how much of each one, whether whether one man gave. We just don't know anything about it, except what the scriptures say. Oh, well, they had names, Balthazar, Melchior, and Casper. No, not according to the Bible, they didn't. Centuries later, people gave them those names, but they don't have any names according to the Bible. So um, we have to just accept this fact. This is an important scriptural lesson in this way. That will, and I think that that's one reason I talk about this from time to time, year to year, because I think it illustrates in a way that impacts people some scriptural principles that are important all year round, all the time. It illustrates the difference between what the scriptures say, what we ought to be doing and thinking, how we ought to think it, with what human beings have created over the centuries that satisfy their own desires at times. For example, Gary's been going over this in his class, but I've taught this in, in different ways over the, over the decades I've been preaching. That in the book of John, in chapter 20, at the end of the book of John, it says many other things Jesus did in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe, and believing have life on his name. So John says of all the things that Jesus did, there's so many, he says a little bit later, that the whole world couldn't contain the importance of all the things that he did. But I selected out, through the power of the Holy Spirit, John says, these miracles that Jesus did and these events in his life, and I'm telling you about them because when you read them, you can come to belief in Jesus Christ. If all the other miracles were important to you becoming a Christian and you believing in Jesus, they would have been recorded, but they're not recorded. And so what you have there is a thing that, uh, me and others would call the principle of selectivity. 
What we have in the scriptures, and in the New Testament in particular, is a selection of knowledge that God made, not humans, not scholars, not experts of some kind, not preachers, but God through the Holy Spirit selected this information and had it recorded for you to read. And Paul says in Ephesians 3 that when you read my writing, my understanding of the scriptures, you can know what God thought because he revealed his mind to us, the apostles. And I wrote it down, Paul says, so that when you read it, uh, you can understand my knowledge of the mystery. And so this principle is important. So when God says this, this, and this about the birth of Jesus, we should understand that, rely on that, keep that, and believe that, and all the other stuff that we could guess and we make up, we need to keep it over there in what we guess and what we think and what we make up. Keep it separated from what we do know. And the fact that, for example, that God tells us not one word about what to do about an annual remembrance of Jesus' birth is important. It's important because God could have done that. He did that with the Passover and Day of Atonement and all the other Jewish feasts. He told them what to do year by year about those days in the Old Testament. But when it comes to Jesus' life, he didn't tell us to do that. And that's that's significant. It isn't an oversight. It's not something that you and I have to feel bad about and fill it all, fill all the gaps. The fact that he didn't tell us the names of the wise men, or even how many there were, is not an accident. That's exactly what the Holy Spirit planned. It's exactly the way God wants it. Can you respect that? Should we respect that? I think we should. I think we should at least acknowledge that that's what's going on here rather than decide that we need to fill in the gaps that God left out so we can have the true Christmas story. Let's take what the scriptures say and keep it. Now, now that sounds harsh. I don't mean it to be that way at all. And I'm not being critical of anyone. I really am not. Because at my house, if you go there now, you guess, I'm sorry to tell you this, you'll see, a, you'll see a Christmas tree. You won't see a star on top of it, though. I have my principles. Okay, because it's, it's, it's a bow, because it's just a tree that we put up for our family, and it's pretty. It's got little ornaments that the children and grandchildren have made on there. Got ornaments that I had when I was a small child. It's, got, it's just a family tree, and it, it's important. It's fun. And it creates good memories and family traditions. Those are all positive things. But I have no direction at all about what to do about Jesus' birthday. And so we don't do that. What we do have selected out, as you'll see, is a weekly remembrance of the death of Jesus Christ. And guess what we try to do here? We do that. Other churches don't do that. Because they don't think that's important. But I, I say since the Holy Spirit selected it and Jesus said, this do in remembrance of me, we ought to do what he said we should do. Now, you know, that makes us a, a little bit odd and a pariah, but that's OK. I'm not being I'm not being harsh about that at all. But I do think it's important for us to uh, have that principle in our minds of what the scriptures say and what they don't say. Separate out what we think from what they say. And, and keep that straight. It's a hard job. It's, it's a, if, but if you want to recreate the first century church in this century, which is what we try to do, you got to do that. Now, we talked last week about this passage in Hebrews chapter 10, where the scriptures say that, therefore, when he came into the world, he said, sacrifice an offering you did not desire, speaking of God, this is a prophecy, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure and then I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. 
Now, this is a prophecy of Christ coming in the future. And he's saying, in effect, Christ is saying, you prepared a body for me. I'm just, I'm your son. I'm a spirit. I'm God like you. But you made a body for me to come into the earth. And so I came in that body, historically, later on. And I came to do what? What I want to do? No, I came to do your will. And so I, here's what I think spiritually. I think the body of Christ should still do the will of God today. What do you think about that? Who's the body of Christ today? The church is. We should still do God's will today because that's what his first, the body he had when he came to the earth, that God made him, came to do that very thing. So it's important that we think in these terms. It isn't being angry or caustic or a curmudgeon, although I may be all of those things. That's not the point of this at all. This is the point that the body of Christ should do Christ's will, should do God's will. That's what he said. And what about this body? This is, this is a prophecy of the virgin birth, or what commonly is called in religion the advent uh, of Christ, the coming of Christ into the world. Why is it, do you think, though? And I want to talk with you about this. And I, the rest of the sermon, part of it is going to be odd because I'm not going to be using a lot of Scripture because I can't. The reason I can't use a lot of Scripture in the rest of the sermon is because there's no Scripture about what we're going to talk about. Yet it's a Bible subject in the sense it's important. And that is, why did people pick December 25th for Christ's birthday? Why? Well, that's the day Christ was born. Really? There isn't one historian or Bible scholar who will agree that the reason it was picked as a holiday is because it was Christ's birthday. There's not one. I don't care what religion they are. No scholar of any kind or historian would ever say that the reason it was picked is because we know that's Christ's birthday. Or that we even have a good idea or suspicion that it was Christ's birthday. They will all tell you something different. They'll tell you how humans arrived at that day, but they will never tell Yet people today say this is the day that Jesus was born. Now, the only thing they can say, some can say is, and we aren't going to deal with that this morning as well, I know it's not Christ's birthday, but I still want to do it. Okay. Now, that goes back to the first things I said about you picking out what you want to do, but there's no other reason. Uh, here's what the, this came out of the Biblical Archaeology Review recent, fairly recently. This is a modern article, and there's tons of this kind of stuff. The Bible offers few clues about what day we should be doing it. Celebrations of Jesus' nativity are not mentioned in the Gospels or Acts. Did you hear that? There's no mention of any celebrations. In fact, Philip Schaff, one of the greatest church historians of all time, and has bought this big a volume of church history, Schaff's History of the Christian Church. Uh, I don't have that quote here. He basically says that there is no hint of any annual celebration in the New Testament of any kind. Before 350 A.D., there was no hint of any annual celebration from the New Testament or the apostles. Okay, that's what this is saying. The date is not given, or even the time of the year. We don't know the date. I think, from what I can tell, given that we do know when the census came about that brought Mary and Joseph from northern Palestine down south to Bethlehem when she was expecting, Caesar issued a census order, and they had to go to their hometowns, and she was of the tribe of David, and so they went down there, and or Joseph was. They went down there to the south, that happened in about 4 B.C. You say, what? Yes, Christ was born before Christ. Okay. That's how, that's how odd this whole thing is 
what I'm trying to get at with you. Most likely it was around the year 4 BC. Some say 3, some say 5. Some say we know from history that trying to link up the dates of the Roman historians with these other things. The reason this happened is because Dionysius, a monk, in about the, mm, I think it was the 600s, right around 550 to 600, tried to make a calendar, and he started with Jesus' birth. And he was doing some calculations based on uh, historical events, and he came up with what we would call 1 B.C. or 0 B.C., and he said this is when it was, and he was off by that many years. It's just a mistake. And he probably didn't have all the information needed. So when, that was what was so funny to me in the year 2000. Some of you don't remember that, but there was this thing, the millennial scare, you know, when, when it turned to year 2000. First of all, the millennium actually changed in 2001. That escaped everybody. But the odd thing to me was that it really occurred in 1996. If it was 2,000 years from Christ's birth, that really happened in 1996, and nothing really happened then, you know. And, and so, well, I guess Bill Clinton was elected, if that's worth anything. But uh, uh, it might be the sign of the end of time, for all I know. But but the point is, we were we were worried about the wrong date because this guy made a mistake. Please don't put your faith in human prophecies and in modern day predictions of the end of the world or all these things. They don't know. And they ought to say that they don't know. But instead of saying, I don't know, we don't know, they have to do something else. Now, in this case, he's, it goes on to say here, there was, there's a, we don't know the, the date, and we don't know the time of year even. Now, they, some people will refer to flocks, shepherding their flocks at night when they heard that, hear the news of Jesus' birth. And that they, this might suggest the spring lambing season or in the cold month of December, on the other hand, sheep might not might well have been corralled. So the historical evidence about sheep being in the field would be more in time of springtime or of lambing or even the fall, but not the winter. That's most like. But do you really know then? Is that a conclusive argument? It isn't. Because we don't know exactly what they were doing around Bethlehem with sheep at that time. No one does. But we do know that there were flocks in the sheep. Yet, yet most scholars, he said, goes on, the article goes on to say, would urge caution about extracting such a precise but incidental detail from a narrative whose focus is theological rather than cal- calendrical. The object of the gospel accounts of Jesus' birth, and this is important, are not centered on a date or time of the year. They have other things. That the Holy Spirit is, the Holy Spirit's picked out other details. He could have told us, but he doesn't picked out other details to give us information about. Now, what does that tell us? It tells us that in God's mind, it tells us what's important to God, what's important for you to know, and what's important for you to believe. And when God doesn't tell us this, it's telling us it's not important. And yet we've made the most important event of the year, for the most part, for many people, uh, about this, and we have no information. Now, the extra-biblical evidence, this thing goes on to say, and I'm sorry to read this, but just read with me for a minute. The extra-biblical evidence from the 1st and 2nd century is equally spare or sparse. So even if you go from the time of the New Testament on into the 100s and the 200s and the 300s, that's a long time, 300 years. The United States hasn't even been here that long. There's no mention of birth celebrations in the writings of early Christian writers, such as Arrhenius, or Tertullian. They're just, they wrote about a lot of stuff. Any mention of an annual celebration among Christians at that time? 
Well, you'd think these would be the ones who would know the day and would know what, what God Christ wanted and would know where to, they didn't even know where to do it. But they don't. I'm wearing a jacket this morning. I haven't worn it for three years because I bought it to go to Israel in three years ago in January because it was cold. It's corduroy. We don't have much cold to wear corduroy down here for jackets in Florida. But it was cold this morning. I thought, I'm not going to put that little thin thing I wear on. I'll put on this. It actually, well, I'm going to get into that. It almost fits. <laughs> I will say it fit about as good as it did when I bought it the first time. It was, see, when you buy stuff on clearance, you can't be picky about the fit. One of those deals where Judy says, you need a new jacket to go over there. And I said, no, I don't. Yes, you do. Let's go over here. I said, well, let's go to the clearance rack. And I went there and found something. It's a compromise, we call it in marriage. Anyway, we're over there and it's cold. And we went to the place where a lot of people say Jesus was born. It's a big cathedral type place. And... You can go and you can wait a long time like we didn't wind through everything and come to some place where, if I'm right about this, you there was a star on the ground there and like a hole, a grotto type place where supposedly, you know, we went to a couple of these places. And, and I think I took a picture, I didn't get all this out, and that's where Jesus was born. Do they know this? Well, of course they don't know this. No one, know, no one cared about that spot. Mary didn't even seem to care about it. That spot was probably picked out by 350 years later by Constantine's mother, who went back over there and picked out some spots and marked them, and they built churches on them. No one knows the spot where Jesus was born. And, and now you, couldn't, you can't possibly recognize it. We went to the spot where supposedly he was crucified. There's a, there's a little more evidence early on that that's the spot, or close. And it's a... It's a much more moving experience to go there than I ever thought it would be to stand where they crucified, supposedly. And I told Judy, as I stood there weeping, I said, even if it's not the place, it could be, because it was close to that place. It's an amazing thing. But you know what? If God wanted me to know that and go there and fall down on my knees at that place, he would have told me to do that. If it was important, and we saw people there in that grotto, right near that place, who walked a little bit away. When you first go in, you see this slab of stone. It's about the size of this table, isn't it, Judy? It's not that high, maybe a foot high, on the ground slab there. And these people are bowing down, prostrate, kissing that slab. All around it, weeping. I thought, what is this? Well, I found out. This is the stone where they say they took him off the cross right over there and laid him on this stone to to get him ready for his burial. And this day, all over the world, these people come and kiss that stone. I could, I could see that. Being there, I could see why they would do that. But does the Bible tell me to do that? Does God care that I know the spot? He doesn't care at all. Or he would have told me. If he cared, he would have told me. If it mattered where Jesus was born, what year and what day of the year, and what I'm supposed to do about it, the principle of selectivity and other things tell me God would have told me. But there's no mention of any of this. The early Christians could have known close where this was because they could have talked to people and found it. Especially the crucifixion, the birth. No one even knew who he was. They wouldn't even have began to remember. If I didn't tell you, you wouldn't know where I was born. Oh, you were born in Cincinnati. Well, that's a pretty big place. Unless I told you exactly where. And then you still wouldn't know because it's a big place too. 
But they could have they could have known the crucifixion easier, much easier, because it was a fairly recent event. But they didn't know. Origin of Alexandria in 165 or two, up to 264, he died then, goes so far as to mock Roman celebrations of birth anniversaries, dismissing his pagan practices. He mocked their, their celebrations of their gods being born. These are pagan, a strong indication that Jesus' birth was not marked with similar festivities at that place and time. As far as we can tell, Christian Christmas was not celebrated at all at this point. Now, that's a long time. 264 years is a long time. Has, the United States hasn't even been in existence that long. And things have changed quite a bit. There's another... There's a, there's, I'm going to talk about two quick ways that they've determined this, because there's two ways that December 25th was picked out. And I'm going to talk about a better way to know when Christ was born. We'll do this quickly. But Strange as it may seem... The key to dating Jesus' birth may lie in the dating of Jesus' death at the Passover. This is according to religious people, scholars today. I've read this a couple different times over the years. It's come back into prominence in a couple of articles in this archaeology magazine I get and some other things these scholars are writing about. This has come back into vogue, this theory here. It was first suggested to the world by a French scholar, in the early 20th century and developed by the American Thomas Talley in more recent years. Who cares about that? Except that they were certainly not the first to know the connection between the traditional date of Jesus' death and his birth. So what the, what this sums up is this. The theory came down from the Middle Ages based on some Jewish legends that it was important that things happened at the same time. Nothing in the Bible about that. So that the Birth of Jesus and the death of Jesus would happen maybe at the same time, but more likely, strangely enough, considering our society doesn't believe in conception anymore, and the conception is important, they linked up the conception of Jesus and his death together. And so they would say that Jesus was conceived in December, or um, he he was he died. I'll get this wrong. I got it all wrong in my head now. I'm never going to straighten it out. It just It's wrong. I can feel it in my head. It's wrong. And I don't have the notes in front of me to do this. But that he was cons- he, he died at Passover, and uh, he was conceived at Passover time. And therefore, he would have been born nine months later, which would have been Mar- March. He would have been born nine months later in December. So he was conceived at Passover and died at Passover in the month of March. Add nine months, and you get late December. That's how they came up with this. And there are preachers all over the country today that believe this is true because that's what they've always said. It hasn't been what they've always said. I think that's a pretty um, poor way to determine this because there's nothing in the Bible that suggests that that is true that I know of. And lots of other people would not know of about this. Yes, we know when Jesus died. And you know what? That's significant that we know when Jesus died. It was during the Passover in about 4 BC. And you can find out what date that is by coinciding that with our, the two calendars. You can find out very closely what day Jesus died. But you can't find out when he was born. And what we also know about this is even Easter as a celebration on the day he died was not kept by the early church. That's another interesting thing. 
They didn't keep Easter either to hundreds of years later. In, in around 200 CE, which is the uh, scholarly way to say AD, Tertullian of Carthage reported the calculation that the 14th of Nisan, the day the crucifixion, according to the Gospel of John, in the year Jesus died, was equivalent to March 25th in the Roman calendar. March 25th is, of course, nine months before December 25th. It was later recognized as the Feast of the Annunciation, the commemoration of Jesus' conception. But I didn't think that you were alive when you were conceived. We have Christians all over the world saying, well, we can't worry about conception because we don't know when people, well, according, you know, anyway. Conception is important, and we know when it occurs. And, and so this is how this was. So Jesus was believed to have been conceived and crucified on the same day of the year. Exactly nine months later, Jesus was born on December 25th. So then you get all of these things coming down out of North Africa in the Middle Ages, and that's why it comes up. That's why some people say we got December 25th. Augustine in the 300s was familiar with this association. He is believed to have been conceived on the 25th of March, upon which day also he suffered. So the womb of the virgin in which he was conceived, where no one of mortals was begotten, corresponds to the new grave in which he was buried, wherein never man laid, neither, neither before him nor since. But he was born, according to tradition, upon December the 25th. That's what he's... Of course, nobody followed this, even though Augustine said it. Uh, actually, Augustine's not... Uh, I got it all wrong, date-wise, but you can find his dates... So here's the association. Other people say, well, what happened was these early Christians were concerned about pagan influences, so what they did was they borrowed pagan customs and brought them into the church. Some people dispute that now and say it's the other way. They got the evidence the other way, Stuart. They got it now that the pagans brought up December 25th because Christians were keeping it. And they created some festivals around that time. I don't know which one it was, but let me just tell you this. It doesn't matter which way it went. Pagans to Christians or Christians to pagans. The Bible says nothing about it and doesn't tell me what to do about it. That's the problem. That's always That will always be the problem. Now, there's a better way. We've got to move on. There's a better way than this. And I'll present this to you, and it has a hole in it. I don't like this, but it has a hole in it, and I'll show you what the hole is. But I, I think as, as far as a Bible understanding of when Christ was born, this is the better way. And I've come to basically think this is correct, even though it has a hole. John the Baptist's birth date was six months before Jesus. We know the Bible says this. In John 1.35, the angel tells Mary a uh, Joseph, in this case, that Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mother, Mary's cousin, was expecting a baby, and he, she was six months along. So there's about six months difference in age between John the Baptist and Jesus. And that the conception of John was immediately upon the completion of Zacharias' tenure of service in the temple as a priest after the course of Abijah in Luke 1, 5. So here's, here's the father of John the Baptist. He's a priest. He's serving in the temple for a very short period of time. They served in the temple. He was in the course of Abijah, and that, that was when he got this message that his wife had conceived and she was going to bear him a son, John the Baptist. Six months later, um, after this baby was born then, Jesus was six months behind that. According to 1 Chronicles 29, the course of Abijah was eighth in the order of the priestly services. And Josephus, the historian, 
says that would have occurred um, in, uh, I think he says in the spring. In any event, what that does, it puts Jesus' birth in September. That's when it puts Jesus' birth. When you add up what the Bible says in 1 Chronicles, what, and the, the whole one is Josephus says that was in this month of the year, or this time period, they served for a month, then you add the six months to that, and you come up with September, the middle of September, for the birthday of Jesus. And the reason that that, that makes, oh, let me give you the verse first. The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that the Holy One who is born to you will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, also has conceived a son in her old age, has conceived, and this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren. There's about six months difference. We don't know the dates, 100 day, 100%. I'm sure they were about as accurate as women are today in deliveries. Now, I don't know about this one, but Judy's babies were either real late or real early, I think. Mostly real late, right? Yes. yes. So, so, in any event, that led me. I don't think Judy was late. I think the doctors were wrong. That's just the way I think, though. Trust, strangely enough, I think that Judy was right and the doctors were wrong about when she should deliver. But so Josephus estimated the timing of this and concluded that the birth of John would have been about March 15th, and Jesus would have been born in September 15th or so, which coincidentally would have put the conception at about December 25th or so. So the truth of it is, according to the, what, from the little bit we know in the Bible, the most likely scenario is that he might have been conceived around Christmas time and born in September. 15th. Now, the reason I think that's significant or important is that September 15th would have been the first day of the Feast of Tabernacles. The, the feasts of the Jews, the Feast of Jehovah in the Bible, Passover, Yom Kippur, Feast of Tabernacles, Feast of Trumpets, they all are very important in the life of the Messiah. They all have, have prophetic significance. And this is something that's not taught in most Christian churches, that they have prophetic significance in the life of Jesus Christ. And historically they have prophetic significance. The Feast of Trumpets, many think, is the, is the feast that commemorates the second coming of Christ. Although that's still in the future. And so he would have been born around the Feast of Tabernacles. John 1.14 uses this language. It says that, that the, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Well, now in many translations it says he tabernacled among us. That's the actual translation of this phrase in John 1.14, that he became flesh, speaking of his birth, and tabernacled among us. And, of course, that corresponds, I think it corresponds to the timing of his birth. Ironically, the story of the Feast of Dedication, Hanukkah, was a postponement of the usual celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles that year. In the year that Hanukkah, that's not right, in the year that the Feast of Dedication started during the time of the Maccabees, after the Old Testament is over, there's a story that during a revolt, the lights in the temple, when they tried to rededicate it, the oil was only there for one day, but they, it lasted for eight days. It was a miracle of lights. And so the Jews had a little festival called the Dedication Festival, which is what Jesus went to in John 10. So ironically, again, Hanukkah is in the Bible, but Christmas is not. Isn't that odd? But anyway... Um, Makes Billy, makes uh, Adam Sandler happy anyway. But uh, nobody knows what I'm talking about. Put on your yarmulke, here comes Hanukkah. 
don't smoke marijuana because here comes Hanukkah. You, you know this song. Anyway, uh, am I the only one who knows that song? Huh? No, a few other old hippies know that song. Any, anyway, this this puts the fe- the de- feast of dedication has been postponed from September, where it normally would be, to December that year. And that's why Hanukkah falls in what we call December. It wasn't the normal time because they had a war going on. And so they put it off and they dedicated the temple. And it just happened that it was in December that this happened, the postponement. So there's a lot of interesting historical things. But I want to close with one thing here. Here's what Paul says about what we should do. What should you do about it? Well, I don't care what you do about the Christmas holiday because there's nothing in the Bible about it. Except I I don't think you can say it's the birthday of Jesus Christ. If you want to keep that day or some of the day, you can do that, but you have no direction as to what to do to keep Christ's birthday. But we do have this. There is another day in Christ's life that was made into a into a, 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 a remembrance, a holiday, as it were, a holy day. In the same manner in which he took the he also took the cup after supper, saying, "This cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me." Now, we know the often as you drink in from Acts 20 and 7 is the first day of the week because that's the day Christ rose from the dead on the first day of the week. And as, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. There's the resurrection because he can't come back if he hasn't been raised from the dead. So this goes on until Christ comes again. This is something Christians are supposed to do regularly. Remember him and what we call this the communion, the Lord's Supper, or whatever, uh, in other words, not the Eucharist, but those communion or suppers, what the Bible calls it. So this is what we're going to do a little bit later here. We'll get done with all this in just a moment. We're going to take this supper. This is something that we should be doing because the God said to do it. And remember there. And so anyway, I, I know that's, this is all tedious and complicated, but I appreciate your indulgence. And I do want you to remember this and think about when people say, when was Jesus born? There is a way to think it from the Bible how it could possibly be figured out, but it isn't at all the way that has been figured out historically. And that leaves people that believe in taking the Bible literally and seriously, it leaves us in the lurch. It makes us be the oddballs, and that's okay. Can you accept that? I can accept that. Hopefully you can. We're going to close this morning with this song that we sing here, number uh, 6767. And we'll invite you to come this morning if you need to be baptized into Christ. It's a good day to do that. Come and fall at his feet and and worship him as the Lord. Ask him to forgive your sins. You can repent of that and he'll forgive your sins. And you can be baptized, washed in the blood, and made a new creature. If we can pray with you about some other problem or difficulty, something you need help with, come to the front right now. We'll pray with you about that. Let's stand and sing.